But if yeah. you see the guy is increasingly happy, you know, increasingly relaxed and healthy and um, confident, then uh, maybe you could say, oh, that person's on the right track, maybe. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Gene, welcome back to the podcast, brother. Hey, man, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, it's a... Uh, Turning the corner and cautiously optimistic, whilst uh, whilst trying to keep my eye on the big picture and staying <laughs> staying wary in the true kind of relaxed alertness state, you know. It's like, uh, so yeah, it's uh, weird times. I think it's that isn't it a Chinese curse? May you live in interesting times or something like that. I've heard that before. So and we're certainly living in interesting times right now. So yeah, that's about. How about yourself? You, uh, you I'm good. Have you been there with Austin Sistema? You still still managing to do some teaching and some practice? Yeah, yeah, I think more than ever, really, you know, mm. uh, so pandemic happened, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so here in Austin, um, they they initiated, they kicked it off with a pretty hard lockdown, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of saw it coming and moved us out of an indoor uh, school mm. and put some restrictions on who could show up and train. Yeah. Um, and then came the lockdown, and um, I, I remember teaching the first couple of weeks of classes on Zoom, right? I never heard of Zoom before. I started teaching classes on Zoom, and it was horrible. Mm. Like 30 minutes into it, I'm standing there going, okay, what do we do now? Mm. Um, because for me, um, touch is my real vocabulary. You know, yeah. I, I feel like it was my strong suit and uh, what I love, but... About two weeks into it, um, something shifted in, inside, and I started really tapping into to this idea that there are things that we can uh, do online mm. that we probably would not do uh, in person. Yeah. And uh, much to my surprise, you know, the, the class is really uh, got some depth and, and value to them, and um I mean, fascinated me. And I, I think as an instructor, that's one of the things you want to do is you want to be fascinated by what you're, yeah. you know, delivering. So, yeah, the the going online and teaching classes has actually turned out to be uh, a real um, growth uh, experience or provoker. Yeah. Mm. And um, then just a few months ago, uh, maybe three months ago, four months ago, maybe longer. We came out of lockdown a little bit, so I started doing hybrid classes. So you're yeah. teaching two classes at once, essentially. You have people at home with no partners. Mm. You have people there that train with partners. That's tough, right? We've, uh, we, we haven't had a lot of success with that. <laughs> yeah. It's a mind-expanding experience, you know, and you start to read. But what it did for me, at least, or assisted with is it, it really helped me start to understand the interplay and the connection between the in- internal work and the external work. So uh, because at home I have people who predominantly they're focused on movement, breathing and internal work. Yeah. And then in front of me, I have people who they they for what they have immunity or they feel like they do or whatever. And they're you have a training pod where they've agreed to share the risk with this one person. Sure. And they come they want to punch and kick and choke, you know. Mm. And so to time by teaching the two classes at simultaneously. Right. You're mm. working with these people with no partner. You're giving them movement and internal exercises and breathing. And then at the same time. You're working with these uh, people that are present and are punching and kicking and throwing each other down on the ground. Uh, it's really kind of a unique way to to see the connection between the two. You know, it's a, it's a must be a hard juggle though, because I mean, to be honest, we haven't managed to do that yet, and it's yeah. partly because I feel like people have different expectations of those classes. Like you said, we've got training pod based people. There's maybe only six that come in, six or eight that come in and train 
in like uh, pairs that don't swap, that stay distant from the other pairs. And we only do that like a couple of times a week. And then we have mm-hmm. one outdoor one that's largely weapons and swinging sticks so that we can prod each other away <laughs> in the pandemic. <laughs> but, yeah. it's, um, but like yeah. in those classes, they're so desperate for the contact, right? So they they want to mm-hmm. come, they want to do massage, and then they want to push and pull, and they want to do groundwork and get into some monkeying around, you know. And that's mm-hmm. really what they expect and what they want. When we have yes. the people training at home, I just thought we really want to go deep on these things and we want to be given different ways to move and different ways to think about things because they don't have a training partner. So they need obstacles or objects and things to work with instead, you know, stuff like that. And and it's, it's very difficult to juggle those two sets of expectations. It's almost like teaching a language class to people, you know, one, one group want to do conversation and the other group just want to pick up key phrases or something, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, trying to, or teaching to different age ranges or something in the same class, you know, so it's a, must be very challenging. Well, it is, and and that and that's the thing. That's the challenge and the opportunity. Like mm-hmm. you're you're you know, as an instructor, you're sort of perched there in the middle, and you're communicating, you know, this fullness mm-hmm. because you are talking about internal, uh, internal and external. You know, people who want to punch and smash each other, and mm-hmm. people who are more uh, internally focused. So. For me, I can say that for uh, for me personally, the last, you know, 10 months or so, uh, 11 months, 12 months, whatever it's been, have been uh, by far the the uh, the most um, rich or, or productive in terms of my personal growth uh, mm-hmm. as a martial artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely as a as an instructor mm. and um, as a human being, and I I believe uh, that my my people that train with me would say the same thing about themselves. Whether they're just pure online students or whether they're people who show up in person, I'm, yeah. I'm, they all say the same thing. These last ten months have been unreal. You know, like in terms of um, growth. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. That's pretty, and it's inspiring to hear as well because I'm sure there are people out there who've had challenging experiences and um, you know, I think you also have the value of being a very established instructor and people know and trust that you're going to lead them in the right direction. I'm sure there's people that are a little bit newer to it that were just finding their feet and then this kind of pulled the rug from under them and they're like, what the hell am I going to do online? You know, it's kind of tough. Yeah, but I think it's very um, it's heartening how many people have taken. You know, I, I th- it looked to me as if Vlad went through the same progression, right? <laughs> that initially yeah. he's like, oh, better go online. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> you know? And yeah. then within within the, like a month or two, it's like, there's some interesting things happening here. Now I'm being forced to do this. You know, yes. um, but now I'm ha- being forced to teach and show things in a different way. And he's going very deep. And he even had like a, I think, a little sit down at the end of one of his sessions, noticing what happened when he saw, you know, well, they partially opened up in Toronto again and students came back who had been training online. And he saw different attributes in them, like different qualities, the ones who had been training versus the ones who were just like, nah, I'll leave it. There's no point in training online. You know, they, they'd gone deeper in a way and worked on different things. And I'm, I'm reminded of um, when I asked once about, I think I was talking to Edgar's schools about this because he'd gone to Japan many times with Michael, right? Um, and rather than go to Russia or rather than go to seminars in the States, he chose to fly to Japan and then go to like four or five seminars in a row across Japan when Michael does one of his tours. And I asked him why he did that. And he said that because the Japanese are just fundamentally very, very patient. And and so the kind of work that Michael shows when he goes to Japan is very, very different. Like They're, they're not in a hurry to do anything. They're not in a hurry to grapple or spar or they don't need to acquire combat technique, like at least most of the ones that start training there. So Michael goes very, very deep with them and has them work for long periods of time on very simple things like, you know, just how to get control of a single movement without it affecting everything or how to unify your movement or mindsets as you go in and out of situations, you know, controlling objects, things that, you know, take a lot of introspection and a lot of very, very slow and deliberate um conscious practice you know and and he said that just doesn't happen when they're teaching seminars in the states or even in europe because people are there to get something done you know like mm-hmm. teach me some martial arts here you know yeah. uh, and so so i'm reminded of that it's like well ha- having being denied often um i think this is called constraint-based learning as well in education right it's like if you take something away and you limit the way that people can approach a problem often they get more creative and they have to come out with more things and a simple example would just be in 
you know, Sistema drill where you say you can't use your arms. You just have to ground fight somebody using your legs and your body. And that's constraint-based learning in a way. But in this way, we've taken away the capacity that everybody knows and loves to communicate through touch mm-hmm. and to push and pull with people and just to learn things kinesthetically. And we said, okay, if you can't do that, what else can you do? Like, how can you get at some of these same principles or build some of these ideas when you have to talk through a Zoom screen or explain things so well that you can conjure an image in somebody's mind that will help them to get somewhere near that concept? You know what I mean? So it's it's like it focuses us to be more creative in a way. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I I think that that nails it. Yeah, I, I there was a two week, you know, stun. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, ever since then, it's just been an explosion, really, uh, mm. uh, for me, at least. And um, I, I feel the same way about Vladimir. When you watch him, it's just like he, you know, he shifted gears. And, man, I'm not able to take as many classes from him online as I would like to because, generally speaking, the classes <clears throat> coincide with the same time my classes. Yeah. And uh, but the ones that I've been able to attend, I've just been, you know, shocked really at how much he is conveying in those online lessons. Yeah. To me, there, I have a few people who did the same thing, like, oh, I can't learn anything online. And it's really uh, a shame because yeah. I'm pretty sure that anybody who's done the online classes <clears throat> would say, yes, you can. <laughs> and yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. If nothing else, I'm struck by every single time that I come out of one of Vladimir's classes um, that I come out feeling like I've been at HQ for an hour and a half. You know, like I come out with that same feeling of body connectedness and power and, you know, just that relaxed kind of good, tired, which also just brings you out into the world. And, and I feel like I've really absorbed a lot of things like I've been fighting with people or rolling with people for an hour and a half. And it's and it's amazing. But just that feeling alone, you know, you wouldn't yeah. think that would be quite kind of the same. But it is. And it it. it it shows how much of that feeling is internal versus how much of it is dependent on people massaging you and pushing and pulling you around. Right. I, I think I got into a mindset where I felt like that was 100 percent necessary in order to create the feeling of systema, the state in your body. But apparently it isn't, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, I think, you know, is it essential? I think it's highly desirable, but yeah. I don't know about essential. Yeah. yeah, I remember about a month into this, Vlad did a class, and after the class, you know, th- there was a, um, so, I think it was four or five instructors, and we were all kind of standing there with our jaws, you know, hanging down, like uh, just uh, blown away by how much Vladimir was able to deliver in these online lessons. Yeah. Well, and maybe his example, you know, helped uh, spark others to um, dig deep and see what they could deliver too. Now you have to articulate these things. You yeah. know, you can't go punch somebody or escape from some, you know, trap they have you in. So uh, you start working on other things. And for me, uh, uh, this is kind of. Uh, so I think Michael Rabko said, the purpose of good movement is joy. Mm. So I heard this statement and I thought I understood, oh, yeah, it feels good. It makes you happy. But my, my experience of this now is quite different. Uh, for me, at least, movement um, provokes a feeling of ecstasy and it's not like runner's high or serotonin or something it literally is inside your body mm. these bubbles rising up and moving through your body of pure joy and light and it's really i look at vladimir now and i see he's laughing and and just warm and kind and he's always been very kind, but mm. to see him laugh and smile as much as he does now makes makes me happy. Mm. And um, I, I, I've, I've always thought about, like, Sistema instructors, you know, uh, if what we're doing is correct, then a person should become uh, increasingly free from fears mm. and tension and more and more happy and uh, relaxed and easygoing. 
So when you see in your system instructor, very stern, right? They're like, yeah. Uh, to me, that's a it's a flag to go. Hmm, I wonder what's happening here. But if yeah. you see the guy is increasingly happy, you know, increasingly relaxed and healthy and um, confident, then um, maybe you could say, oh, that person's on the right track, maybe, you know. Hi, folks. Glenn here. As Systema for Life approaches its 100th episode, I'd like to take a minute to thank everyone who has contributed to the show, all our listeners, and to everyone who's offered requests, encouragement, and feedback along the way. I also need to ask a quick favor. We have already enjoyed two years of high-quality interviews, insights, and ideas on Systema for Life. We'd like to keep the show going, and we want to keep it open to all, but we need your help to do it. It takes time, effort, and more than little cash to produce a podcast more than two grand a year at current hosting and production rates. We have no paid advertising, and we do it all off our own backs with help from listeners and generous supporters like you. So if you're a fan of Systema for Life and you get real value from the ideas and the conversations we create, then please take a few minutes now to subscribe at www.ncsystema.com support. Support at whatever level you feel like you can afford. Even $3 or $5 a month is a help. Think of it as buying us a beer or a cup of coffee once a month for our troubles. So visit ncsystema.com support and use the buttons on the page to select your preferred monthly or annual support level. You'll receive a confirmation on sign up and you can cancel at any time. Yeah, that reminds me of something. Gladys said something similar to that in an old interview that I did with him. It might have been the first one. And he said, just quite simply, the, the purpose of the style is to reduce tension. When you reduce tension, you become more relaxed. When you become more relaxed, you become more happy. And that's it. You know, yeah. In true Vlad style, you know, and that's it. You know, <laughs> yeah. so you don't really need to understand anything more than that about what differentiates our style from other styles. And he, he went on to talk a little bit more about, you know, they, in some other styles, they talk about relaxation. But you see the way they walk and the way they fight. I don't think so. Right. You know, which I thought was quite interesting. So kind of the proof is in the pudding, as they say in England. No, like, is it working for you? Are you a relaxed, happy person? If not, maybe you know, martial arts not doing quite what you purported it to do. <laughs> I think so. If you're not laughing more and more and more, man. Yeah. You know, and um, it's in, I think that that's another thing the the pandemic has really brought out is that, uh you know, their, uh, self-defense entails a whole lot more than punching and kicking. Mm-hmm. You know, you should be able to punch and kick for sure. But but um, to deal with, uh, you know, uh, chronic stress and not not just yours, but to be supportive of the people around you, yeah. uh, you know, we're bombarded with messages and things like that. And yet you find yourself increasingly filled with joy and happiness, then you're on the right track. Yeah, a long time ago, one uh, one of my uh, really, really dear friends was a very, very uh, well-known, high-level JKD guy. Yeah. And uh, we walked into a pool hall one day, and his demeanor, like, just changed, you know, to to being like when you're a teenager and you're kind of walking down the hall and you're kind of all, uh, you know, bowed up and uh, on high alert or whatever. Hmm. And I... It it clicked in my brain. It's like that's not the way I want to go. Like, to me, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, you should feel less and less tension, like Vladimir says, and that comes with a whole lot of benefits besides health yeah. and increased awareness and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, but this is so there. There's level levels of this um, that are difficult for me to describe to people, but. So there is that one where you're just happier, right? You're happier, mm. more relaxed, uh, you know, more compassionate, uh, but not, you know, not um, uh, not an enabler, <laughs> mm. but more compassionate and kind and happier. But there's another piece to this that, that is difficult to say because... Uh, I don't think many people have, I, I can say something like movement sh- should create ecstasy inside you. Hmm. And some people go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that when I run. No, no, I, I'm not talking about like endorphins, you know, being released hmm. from, I'm talking about like. Uh, the actual quality of the movement like does something 
inside of you right? when you move well it imme- immediately changes your your mood and your yeah you when you when you rotate your shoulder the tissues that are involved in this movement release uh waste material but the same way they release you know what carbon dioxide and whatever uh, lactic acid whatever other waste materials are coming out also, at the same time, releasing literal ecstasy and joy and light inside your body. Mm. So um, this, for me, has been a, a, a an interesting uh, sort of development, a revolution. Uh, it's a little bit tricky because um, when you're leading a class or something like that, you have to... Um, be careful that your awareness doesn't go off and you forget where you're at and just, yeah. just enjoying the movement. You have to stay present to the people that came for the class. Yeah. But um, the idea of um, movement evolved, has evolved so much, you know, from exercise to uh, relaxation to breath driven to something that actually produces you know i can't say it any other way it actually produces joy and light and uh, it's very interesting to me so so it's, um, i think plaz talks in terms of um you know certain tension patterns and people immediately when you think about a pattern of tension you, you tend to think of it as being something static right if i keep my neck tense or my shoulders tense or something then obviously it will create certain moods right if you hold that for periods of time we all kind of know about embodied cognition and if you hold yourself in a shape that looks depressed or um looks like you're feeling sorry for yourself you will start to feel depressed right you will feed That's back right. to your brain and make it work but i think one of the things that you're um that i'm getting from what you're saying is that that also applies to entire movements right there are entire ways of moving your body that can produce ecstasy and then presumably there, there'll be ways of moving your body that produce like feelings of fear or feelings of like uh, irritation or anger as well uh from my from my experience uh, uh at, at right now uh and it's limited you know mm-hmm. is the the I can't say how to say it. So yes, the the your body shapes uh, can create emotional states inside you, right? So this physical tension, but for me, tension is more uh, psychological tension is involved as well, right? Yeah. And so when you start to use your breathing, so if you're relaxed, every single breath, inhalation, exhalation, and everything in between creates movement in your entire body yeah so it takes very little uh change to the way you breathe to change your physical structure Mm -hmm. so on a on one level what you're saying is correct if you breathe so that you have good posture that begins to give you a different attitude uh, about life and things like that. But there's something else. As you move from, let's say, a depressed posture to a good posture, mm-hmm. the, 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 the bonds that have held you in the depressed posture mm. start to come apart as well. Yeah. So it's the transition. So, the transition has an effect. Yeah. And so they're releasing. I mean, okay. I don't think you expected me to go this esoteric. No, no, I fully did. No, I fully knew what I was waiting into when I gave you a call, man. <laughs> okay. So, so as these same as these bo- these bonds break and release this uh, whatever you want to call it, right? Negative energy or waste material or uh, uh, memories, right? Traumas lodged in your tissue, and your body starts to reshape itself. Um, but then beyond that, as you're internally, as you become more and more free and more and more uh, clean from these past uh, traumas and uh, programming and physical, uh, uh, you know, sometimes habitual movements will create a shape or something. And as you become more and more free from those, there's a concurrent um, increase in psychological freedom. 
which starts shedding its own bonds. And then movement by itself becomes just when, as your muscles contract and move and your tendons pull and push, your movement itself starts to really, I, I don't know any other way to say it, but just release joy and light inside your body. It's a very interesting uh, experience. I don't have anything uh, to compare it to. So, so I think, um, you know, don't want to attempt to make comparisons, but I, I feel like in the past, and this is something as well that has changed a little bit in the more internal focus and practice that we've all been going through, I guess, over the last year, if, if we've really doubled down on that internal study. In the past, when I felt that, um, that kind of euphoria that comes with movement sometimes, I haven't, I didn't really ascribe it to something like the runner's high, because that's generally just a, a meta, uh, metabolism thing, right? You know, right. you keep your metabolism going at a certain level, brain reduces, releases endorphins along with the sympathetic nervous system, and then you kind of ride that little wave of it and, and along you go. And um it didn't. It didn't feel like that to me. But I think that in some ways I confuse that euphoria that comes with really good movement, um, with kind of flow state. You know, with with, with being in a state where everything <laughs> feels easy and it comes out. But I don't think it is at all. I think I've, um, to your point, I've I've realised that it that you can get you can almost immediately arrive in that place when you start moving well, right? Whereas flow state for me is like a condition that you have to maintain psychologically. But this is this seems to come directly from the body. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's, it's yes. nothing you have to do. So I think I was conflating those two things for a long time. And now I'm starting to see good movement that produces that feeling as like that's the diagnostic as to whether or not it's good movement, not whether or not it worked or threw somebody on the floor or, or, or something like that. But like, did it feel like truly free and open and full and light at the same time? You know, all of those kind of characteristics are in there without having to kind of, I don't know like hyper analyze it and then try to stay full and try to stay connected. Do you know what I mean? It's like the movement itself just takes care of itself. It's impossible to reach too far or it's impossible to, you know, go off balance in a sense because the, the movement pulls everything with it, you know, like, like and I'm, yeah. I'm starting to see glimpses of that and, and feel those things. And it's interesting that going back from the personal study, the internal work, and then going back into teaching and I'm only teaching really once a week in person at the moment. Mm -hmm. And and I, I talked last night and we did a class and it was just about um, it was a little bit about preemptive work, like how to feel the distance where when somebody is a threat that you can position yourself to nullify their um, mm -hmm. their attack or you can position yourself so that you can attack if you want to like forestall their intent to attack and things like that. Right. But in a way that doesn't clash with them. Right. In a way that just literally just stops what it was they're thinking about doing. Right. Um, and, and in teaching this, I kind of I started to kind of pull into the state and I, I just started having immense fun with it. You know, like when, the, when I'm being attacked and the guy's coming, I just positioned myself. Well, all the movements felt clean. All the movements felt really, really good. And it was really, really hard not to just get so caught up in that and just enjoy it so much again and again and again that. That I tuned out what I was actually doing and trying to show anybody anything. You know, like I was—I took so much joy in the thing that I was actually doing. It was hard for me not to just to get really self-indulgent and just start not showing off, but something akin to showing or being—you know—just teaching a class because I'm doing it for myself. Do you know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. and it's, well, what you said earlier on about it's hard to keep the big picture and remember you've got people in the room with you and there's, there's yeah. a job you're supposed to be doing here. You know, it's yeah. a big, it's almost—I mean, I can't really liken it to something in meditation because i'm not a very experienced meditator but i've heard about people you know who sit down they're very good at attaining bliss states and relaxing themselves and all that kind of thing but then their interpersonal reactions with other people aren't really any different you know they, they can sit there for one day and put themselves in a bliss state but then when they interact with people they're just as angry and irritable as they were so they lack that ability to connect outside right they're they're, they're enjoying their internal environment so selfishly that they can't connect it with a practical purpose you know um, yeah. I'm not sure that's too much of a reach, but um, that's that's just a thought that I had when you were saying what you were saying about that. Yeah, so I, I can I can speak to that a little bit because um, mm. I do have a lot of experience with meditation. Personally, mm. uh, I don't talk about it that much because it's a pretty private thing. Uh, yeah. But there was a time when uh, I meditated like um, I was very committed to that practice. Yeah. And I hit a spot um, where for 12 months uh, I was in this state of bliss all the time. Mm -hmm. And there were all these strange phenomena, right? Some weird stuff. I couldn't hit a red light. 
uh, you know, squirrels would come and lay on my feet. I would be in a parking lot of a grocery store and strange people that I had no, I don't know who they are. They would come up and hug me like a life preserver, not like a football hug, but just hold on. Like, you know, you you also live in Austin, though. So that's (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah, man. There's some strange doings down here, you know. (laughs) Sorry, uh, let me interrupt. No, no. And it came with some pretty odd experiences you know i i don't want to share them necessarily if you want to know call me and i'll tell you but it doesn't do any good to tell stories because if you haven't had that experience why would you even believe it and if you had then i don't need to tell you you know (laughs) so for 12 months i was in this um state of uh bliss or ecstasy joy you know so so much to the point gratitude right so much to the point that i would be eating up uh, at Taco Bell, you know, a little Mexican pizza and tears rolling down my face. I'm just so grateful to be breathing and be alive, you know. Manager's concerned. Are you okay, sir? Is your pizza okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm just oh, I'm so happy. Well, <laughs> yeah. So that uh, I have a I had a, a little fear enter into my being, mm. and it was like a house of cards that that immediately uh fell uh to pieces and um then i spent like some time mourning for that you know wanting that back and wondering like if i could will myself back into that space or if i meditate hard enough you know i'll make it back as pointless fruitless uh never happened for me uh again but uh now just through physicality I haven't that same experience again. Uh, mm. That's, uh, but it's it's uh, em, uh, emanates from a different place. It, it's mm. not from sitting and you know, it's from just moving and and being in the world. Walking is has become, uh, you know, uh, I it's like uh, orgasmic, right? I mean, it's just amazing, like really, and. Um, so that's that's been a, a a revelation, and I think it's come from from this um, forced uh, yeah. focus on the internal, you know. Uh, and so one of the things that got me off on this, some people who know me, that, so Vladimir put out a video, I don't know, six years ago or something, of him doing a push-up. And I I studied that dang video for a year. I mean, like every day I would watch that video over and over and over. And uh, I was uh, sort of fixated on this idea of how do you do a push-up using the breath, right? Not using uh, anything else. And uh, so I kept coming at it and coming at it. And like I would get a little piece here and a little piece there. Like how do you breathe? now, what does it even mean that you breathe into your hands or your feet? Uh, yeah. Okay, now, how do you make that happen, right? What are the tools that you can use to lead people and yourself to, to that experience? And then, then, you know, so I started closing in on it, closing in on it, uh, the, the breast push-up. And um, I came across this... Uh, uh, idea, and I, I'm not, I haven't, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I read this idea that scientists somehow figured out, so when a dragonfly is chasing a mosquito, its brain isn't going left, right, up, down, fast, slow, like that. Its brain is thinking, catch the mosquito, right? Mm. So I started looking at a push-up, and I started thinking, okay, so uh, how do I need to do this push-up? I, I can't think, oh, spinal wave, you know, uh, release the psoas muscles, create a small no. arch in the low back, spiral the arms in, you know, no. elongate Waste the head. Of time. Yeah. It's too much, right? It's yeah. too complex. So if I can say, oh, I can breathe through my entire body, I can inhale into my entire body, all of a sudden my, my push-up becomes effortless. Yeah. And uh, the... the um, one of the coolest things that happened was we we started back doing in-person classes, and um, there was a lady there who uh, 
I think it was her second class or something. Maybe may have even been her first class. But so we go through this progression of using tension, relaxation, then movement and breathing. The whole progression that I'd kind of figured out for how to get a person to breathe into your legs and your arms. And then I put it to a push-up. And before we even went, she 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 looked at me and she goes, I can't do a push-up. Mm-hmm. And 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 I've never been able to do a push-up. And I'm like, that's okay. Don't worry. Just do as many uh, steps as you can, you know, and just breathe into your legs and your arms. And that's try to fill your whole body up. So she does it. And I wish I had this on video, man, because the, the, the sound, the audible exclamation when she hit the top of a push-up was just, she was shocked. Like she just, you know, she couldn't believe it. And she's bouncing up and down. And um, so the, that's, the, that's a baby step. So you can start with this push-up that Vlad demonstrated, you know, six years ago or something like that. And you can take all the sistema drills that we do, the tension release drills, the, the uh, uh, movement drills, the way the, the, uh, we stretch, the way we do things, and you can start putting together in a sequence and you can educate your body and you can get where you can do a push-up effortless, just breathing push-up. And yeah. then all of a sudden now that extrapolates, well, can I do it with a squat? Now can I do it with, now can I do it with another person? And yeah. then pretty soon it's your, like I, I'm sitting here in this chair right now um, with uh, just awareness rolling through my body, yeah. like, uh, you know, looking for uh, tension. Mm-hmm. And as, as it's moving through the body, it's just creating this feeling inside of just pure happiness, pure joy. That's so that's, uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, so, yeah, on one level, just, uh, you know, the, the, the nerdy scientist in me that knows about neuroscience and how we learn and things like that is, is fascinated and, and wants to kind of put this into the phenomenon of kind of like heuristics. You know, like that if you try and break something down into parts that are too small, if you try and get too reductionist about it, you try and study the push up in terms of what are my hands doing? What are my elbows doing? What are my shoulders doing? What's this wraparound lump of fascia from my shoulder to the opposite hip doing? You know, all of those things. And then you try and control all those things at once. It's actually impossible. You can't actually hold all those things in your brain and achieve that measure of control. But what you can do is like do a couple of those things at a time until you're aware of what the affordances are, what what it's possible for each of those bits to do. And then eventually the, the way to coordinate all those things is not to try and keep them all in your mind at the same time. It's to find a heuristic, like one big feeling or one big image or one big kind of physical metaphor that enables you to have a feeling to do all those things. So that's how, you know, a dragonfly chases a fly, even though flies fly a lot better than dragonflies, right? Literally, dragonflies are pretty shitty flyers. <laughs> Zoologically, they're not very good, but they can outsteer one. They can outmaneuver one, a fly in a way, by kind of anticipating where they're going to go, by having a different um, heuristic system for like controlling where they go and things like that. And it's the same thing with us. If we try and kind of analyze somebody attacking us, or we try and analyze a conversation and then be like, which words should I change? Or where should my feet go? Right? Maybe at some point, it's it's worth going into those details to just see whether or not you're using trigger phrases that might piss people off or you're just you have terrible footwork or you're just standing in really bad ways that are just going to set you up for creating either creating aggression in the other person or or creating weakness in yourself right but once you avoid those kind of major kind of uh, landmines right it, your goal in getting better at either of those things uh, like conversations that don't lead to conflict or um physical conflicts that you can de-escalate with your movement uh, are really a, a manner of coordinating your body with bigger and bigger heuristics, you know, having a feeling of doing something. And I remember reading many years ago when I was into Japanese martial arts, you know, classics of um, Bushido and things like the Gorin no Sho, you know, the, the Book of Five Rings, the Miyamoto Masashi. And pretty much everything in there is heuristics. It's like big scale feelings. He's like, have a feeling of trampling down your opponent when you're using a sword, right? And, and his arms and legs are clear, clearly doing in, immensely complex things, you know, arranging themselves for whole movement behind a sword and positioning yourself right and using distance and timing. But the most important thing to him is you have to have a feeling of trampling the other guy down. Otherwise, it will crack this kind of unity of motion and intent and purpose. And the, and the book is full of those. And But if you read those heuristics and you try and interpret them when you don't have the necessary understanding in your body already, 
it's almost like you, you're kidding yourself to do like master level work when you haven't quite done quite done the basics yet. Do you know what I mean? So there's a weird kind of um, yeah. paradox, so, training paradox in there for me. It's just like where, how often and when should you go into the details? And then when should you zoom out and try and look at the big picture of what you're trying to do? And, you know, and I think there are different approaches to this. So I think, you know, in Kodoshnikov's system, it's all details and it's all biomechanics. And in, and in Budyabko and Vasilyev's system, it's, it, they lead from feelings and then work their way down a lot of the time, right? So it seems like there's different ways of approaching this. Yeah, so, so uh, for me, the heuristic approach can be problematic if, like you said, you don't have the prerequisite understanding yeah. Uh, and you wind up with people who are just kidding themselves. I, yeah. I call it like the Tai Chi paradox. You know, you got these guys who are projecting chi through their hands and stuff like that, and they can't do a squat, right? Yeah. Uh, earlier, when you and I were talking, um, you know, I have a pretty diverse practice. I, I lift weights, I run, I swim, I do Tai Chi, I, I, yeah. I do Jiu Jitsu, I do Sistema. Although, for me, just to be 100% clear, Sistema is the uh, operating system. Yeah. Uh, the key to unlock any uh, goodness I have, I think, has been from um, Sistema. But the, so for me, the, uh, um, the, yeah, this, this was really one of the things I really wanted to um, talk to you about because I think some people scattershot their training that way, right? They, they'll lift weights, yeah. they'll go running, they'll do Tai Chi, they'll do Jeet Kune Do, and they'll do Sistema. And it leads yeah. them in five different directions with five different mindsets. But you seem to be extraordinarily good at integrating your practices. You, you, you've built for yourself in your life, whether yeah. as, a, as a response to hardship or recovering from adversity, whatever it's going to be. You've built this ecology of practices, as one of my other guests, John Vaveki, once termed it, which kind of reinforce each other and that you're absolutely happy slotting together right and, and and you see them as indivisible you can lift weights and you're doing sistema you can do tai chi and you're doing sistema right so i'm really fascinated in in in, in what goes you know what processes have led you to that yeah so for me the 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 to distinguish between one and another is quite difficult at this point right it's all sort of melded into it's serving what i what i'm after uh um I believe that Sistema is uh, the, the central piece, the operating system that lets all that other things uh, let, um, work for me. Mm. If Sistema was uh, a peripheral thing and weightlifting, I think I would tie myself in knots. It'd be a constant fight between oh, I'm add tension, take away tension. You know, same with Tai Chi. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, Sistema is the central piece, mm. but I, I used to, years ago, I taught Qigong seminars and uh, one of the first things I would do, I would say, okay, uh, go in a plank position, lean and rest, you know, the up part of a push up. I say, okay, uh, let me see your chi. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, people seem to run out of chi after a couple minutes, right? And, uh, you know, uh, so for me... Um, High-efficiency chi detector. It's a push-up. Yeah, so, so there's, this, uh, there's this problem, right, where, where this is a heuristic that is valuable once you've done your homework. Once you've fulfilled the prerequisite courses, then, you know, it's like asking somebody to write a novel who didn't do uh, ABCs. They don't understand. You know, you have to slowly, slowly build these skills. So um, to, to I, I'm kind of scattering all around. I apologize. No, that's fine. No, that's what this podcast is all about, man. Who, who needs linear <laughs> conversations? We, we like okay. all around the place. <laughs> so I want to go back to this heuristic deal again. And mm. I, I want to say, for me, one way that I kind of approach this is I distinguish between training, practicing, and being, right? Or mm. manifesting. Okay. So, uh, and it's... In, it's Training. Let's say you want to train um, to breathe into your belly. Okay, mm-hmm. you want to train it. So what happens? You you breathe down. You you understand it's your diaphragm muscle is pressing your viscera down. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So you need to relax your stomach and your lower back muscles. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you just relax your stomach, then it's a hemisphere. If you can relax your low back and everything like that, then your breath becomes spherical. Yeah. So when you're able to do that, uh, it sets off a whole uh, train of events. So when your low back moves with your inhale, it moves your pelvic girdle which affects your psoas muscles, which affects your femur bones, right? So you have this whole um, cascade of events going down, likewise going up. When your low back moves back, it sends a wave traveling right up the spine. So all the way up past your crown, right? And as it passes through your uh, upper thoracic and, uh, and cervical spine, what happens with your shoulder joints, right? If they externally rotate, well, your humerus bone is attached right there. So first you start to see, can I articulate my bones in this way? Can I move my vertebrae independently? Can I move my hips? Can I move my shoulders? Then you go, okay, uh, connective tissue. What's up with my connective tissue here? Can I elongate this space in between these bones? Can I feel this burning of the fascia and the connective tissue as I breathe, as I move, things like that? Uh, then uh, you say, okay, I'm going to practice uh, practice this. So I'm going to do a push-up, okay? So I push up. It's a very simple movement. But am I feeling the movement in all of my individual vertebrae? Am I feeling the movement in my psoas muscles, femur bones, shoulders, humerus bones? Etc. All the way out to your fingertips and your heels and your toes. Mm-hmm. So that you're 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 building, building, building. And when the when the answer becomes yes, you you feel all the individual joints moving in your body. You feel the connective tissue. You're uh, and you feel the breath is the driver because all you did was breathe into your belly, right? Then you try to breathe into this space, breathe into that space, and you start to feel breath driving these changes in your um, skeleton, connective tissue, muscular tissue, and it, um, and you can start to feel that during a push-up. Then you start to sophisticate the movement, and you say, okay, I'm going to try to do it, you know, in a flow of movement. I'm going to go from push-up, set-up, squat, leg raise, forward roll, backwards roll, bear, crab, crawl on my back. Yeah. I'm going to string these together as smoothly as I possibly can, but I need to keep my awareness on, is the breath driving the movement? Is the breath moving the joints, moving the bones, moving, you know, and hmm. then, and then you forget all about that and you walk through a grocery store and you observe that as you inhale uh, lightness into your body, and I'm using the word lightness, and you don't have to think about inhaling lightness, okay? Mm. You inhale, breath permeates, propagates, awareness propagates. We can say awareness, breath, whatever you want to call it, it's fine. As this propagates through the body, you begin to feel very light. If you if you watch Vladimir, he moves very light, mm. but at an instant he can connect and become something quite dense, right? Yeah. So you inhale, you walk through the grocery store, and you notice that you're slipping through the seams between people uh, without anybody even seeing you're there, right? Mm. You don't put off any bow wave. There's nothing happening. Then you notice that as you exhale down into your body, man, people part. They get out of your way because your gravity, the, the mm. density of your body is increased, right? Yeah. You didn't do it on purpose. You're not thinking. You're not scowling or making a face. You're just exhaling down into the body. Mm. And you start to wake up to like, you know, our awareness, our consciousness. Okay, if I can see, first off, my body can move. That's mm. first. If your body can't move, if you have all these residual tensions and habitual movement patterns and things that, that restrict you and bind you, then you kind of have to start there. Unlock yeah. your body. And then you see how the breath moves you, the literal inhalation and exhalation, the movement of the diaphragm muscle, how yeah. that affects your physical body. Mm-hmm. Then you start to consider and contemplate the the, the, the idea of Breath and awareness being very hard to distinguish. When you breathe out and through your arm, right, is that actual air? No, but it sure does seem like it, right, Mm -hmm. because awareness travels through there. 
then you start to see that your awareness or your consciousness is something that you uh, I don't want to use the word control, but um, you can manipulate. You can push you it around. You can focus yeah. it. Yeah, you yeah. can make it something like you want it to be. Yeah. This is why I lift weights. Okay. Mm. Because if you go too far down that rabbit hole without checking back in with reality, you can get lost, and you can find yourself one of those Tai Chi masters that steps into a ring with a washed up ma guy and gets the snot beat out of you in 15 seconds because you believe it you actually think that you are uh, are magic and you are but you have to verify at least in my opinion i have for myself i have to verify so 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 for you some of the so some of the variety of practices that you take on between weightlifting and other like more physical things helps to balance out kind of that playing around with attention and awareness and things that you get presumably both from Sistema and probably from Tai Chi as well, your level of practice, right? It's a check. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, mm. it's a check. It's the same as when I would teach a Qigong uh, seminar and I would say, okay, uh, plank position. Sure. And if I see, you know, if you're shaking and shattering and <clears throat> dropping out, mm. you know, two and a half, three minutes into this, um, your practice is incorrect. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, in my opinion, for, and I, I said other people are going for other things, I'm sure, and that's fine for them. But mm. for me, I want the whole thing. I want the whole package. That's know? very interesting because I've, I've, I've kind of I've found real benefits. I don't really lift weights much, but I do um, like gymnastic rings and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, I'll do like work with those. And I've got several years ago, I kind of got into a little of a bit of a rabbit hole with doing those kinds of movements, you know, like mm-hmm. calisthenic things and being like, oh, I wonder if I can do a, you know, a... Uh, no, what do you call it? A lever or something like that, you know, front lever and hold your body all yep. the way out. Or can I invert and do a muscle up thing? And and you can get so involved in thinking about the movement that it drops you out of the feeling thing. And, you know, you just work on building up these muscles and coordinating things. So there's an extent to which sometimes physical practices can lead your awareness away from those things. But then yep. what I found now is that I can, um, for the most part, when I'm doing those exercises, I deliberately underachieve. I never do like the hardest thing that I can do. I try and do something that's two steps down, but with full awareness and keeping the whole body involved in every movement. Right. I, I know that I can do one with one arm if I really try and I'm doubling down on the tension in one bicep or something. But I'd rather do it with two arms and like with a little bit of an angle on the on the rings or something like that so that I can feel um, the whole body as I'm working. And it's like, and if I can train that whole body capacity and then become strong that way that's a much more useful thing because then I'm not leading myself in two different directions. But it's, it's encouraging to me to hear you say that you're at a place with weightlifting, for example, where, where literally you, you use it as a useful check on, on, on that, um, that kind of internal awareness of what's going on that you, that you don't, you don't go down the rabbit hole that you don't just get focused too much on the movement and the musculature and, uh, and just the physics of moving the weights around or like some, you know, arbitrary goal of I have to do 10% more weight this week than the next week or something like that. Because I think that's the way that we can go, especially as men. I think we're very target Absolutely. fixated. You know, I mean? We like scoring points and scoring no, goals and yeah, hitting targets with stuff. a bow and arrow. We, lo- we love like personal bests. And there's whole industries of fitness that are based on that, right? Be everything, be extreme, limitless. It's like, no, you got some limitations and you should probably work within them. You know? Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. So you're absolutely right. We love to fall down rabbit holes. Yeah. We love to chase numbers, right? Oh, mm-hmm. this week I benched 315, you know, last week it was 320. You yeah. start looking at your diet and everything like that. Mm. And uh, for me, that, that's been displaced by i looking for this joy in existence. I'm just happy to freaking be here, man. I'm yeah. so happy to be alive and be breathing and be capable of loving and being loved. It's just uh, amazing to live this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't go down these, uh, you know, I have this is kind of it's on 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 topic. Uh-huh. <laughs> years and years and years ago, I asked Vladimir, I said, how come people don't pray? Right. And he looked at me and pray can mean whatever you want. I don't care. It can mean anything you want. But I asked him, why don't people pray? And he looked at me and he goes, look around. He goes, our whole uh, culture is set up to keep people from doing that, to constantly pull your awareness outside of yourself. Shining your stuff, more channels on the TV, 
Mm. You know, more mirrors, uh, both actual and metaphoric, you know, more things to keep pulling your awareness outside yourself. Mm. So that to me would be like if you're weightlifting and you're doing the Valsaba maneuver to add two and a half pounds to your squat, mm. um, you know, um, or you're, you're programming, you know, and you're you're leaving your family alone while you do something like that. That's a an example of what Vladimir is talking about. You're just distracting yourself from, and that's okay. Sometimes people, especially in times like this, you know, we need some distractions or, so it's okay if you understand what it is, but for me, it's not good anymore. I just want uh, to go in the direction I'm, I'm in. But I can say for me, like I took kind of the opposite approach on extreme. <laughs> Like some of the things I do are like beyond my actual physical capacity. Like I, I run, uh, I, I did uh, a 12 hour um, workout uh, one day. I think it was uh, 1,000 pull ups, 1,500 push ups, 1,500 squats, uh, two 13 mile runs. Um, I don't honestly I can't remember the rest. I have it written down somewhere. But it was twelve straight hours and, and I, I can remember like when you pass beyond your physical capabilities, that to me was a very much when Sistema kicked in and was like this weird little thing like you breathe the air that's, you know, six feet in front of you and you you attach to it and it pulls you forward, right? Mm. Or you're trying to do a pull-up and, um, you know, you know your muscles are like, I don't think so, dude. <laughs> but you, you, know, yeah. you, you can breathe in and adjust this minute adjustment to your structure and then you can pull off, you know, one or two more. Um, mm. So, but uh, I acknowledge that those aren't healthy. You know, it mm. was just my own personal um, mm. Like I said, I, I go to this, you know, train, practice, manifest, right? So, so individual joints, uh, then, then think about, you know, in the, so for instance, in Tai Chi, sink the Chi, okay, what, <laughs> whatever, man, <laughs> you know, but I, I can do a spinal way of going down and, mm -hmm. and from lifting my crown and I can feel my pelvic girdle loose and when that happens and, and my, my femur bones spiral out, you know. So now I don't have to think vertebrae by vertebrae by vertebrae. I can just breathe down and, it, and it'll happen, right? So right. you know, thanks. So, um, so mindful of the time here, mate, I've, uh, we've got to bounce on, but um, okay. just, just in closing, like, so let's say that um, people haven't achieved extreme levels of mastery in, in Tai Chi, and they haven't achieved quite this euphoric state um, mm. in their movement yet, or they, they haven't put in the time to study the push-up um, to the extent that they can feel everything happening and they can do it practically with the breath alone, right? If, right? if you're giving advice to somebody right now who's just trying to get back to normal, you know, mm -hmm. somebody who's just, uh, they've been in a bit of a hole for the past six months or so, um, and they might or might not be enthused about the, the next six months ahead, right? And there's some tough times for everybody and that kind of stuff. What what three things should people focus on more than anything else to keep themselves human and keep themselves feeling a bit of joy in their daily lives? Nature. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Get outside. Get the sun on your face. The wind. Get wet. Get rained on. Get cold. Get hot. Get dirty. Mm. Uh, stay in touch with the uh, outside. Always good advice. Yeah. Yeah. And then? Um, go inside yourself. Hmm. It, whether that's meditation, um, prayer, or like super close study of how your how your movement happens from inside. Do, I've, I saw somebody call it interoception. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah, the ability to sense the inside of the body. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. 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 So uh that's true. And then uh gratitude is probably the greatest practice there, there is, right? You look around you and be grateful for your family, mm. uh, food, you know. Uh, for me, I, I I've uh, I've been homeless, I've been hungry, I, I've been uh, hurt, you know. So for me it's like I have a dry place. I have a place where I'm warm. I have 
people to love, uh, you know, and support. And uh, so, so reaching out and, and seeing who you can support and who you can be there for gives you a sort of uh, strength. Yeah, those three things. Nature, go inside yourself, and take care of other people and be grateful. Yeah, That's beautiful. Wonderful. Perfect closing thoughts, man. That's that's great. And it's a, always a joy talking to you. And I, I think yeah. it's, probably been, it's been too long. So um, hopefully we can have you back on again very soon. It's I'm sure that's going to be invaluable advice for a lot of people listening to this today. Hey, if anybody uh, is hurting, just email me, man, or text me, and then we can have a phone call, whatever, right? Great. All right. Bro. All right, Thanks, brother. Well, you take care of yourself. We'll talk again soon. <laughs> All right, bro. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com.